continuing in our series called Values, where we have leaned into your collaborative voice through our co-author sessions back in the month of August, and we are extracting working values that will define and dictate the journey ahead for us as the family of Shannon Oak Church. And just a quick reminder of what a working value is. A working value is an idea or a concept that will get our full attention uh, and strategy and intentionality uh, over a period of time so that it will become second nature as to who we are as we come together and it will become um, the, uh, the natural fruit that results from our coexistence in this season together. As uh, Melissa said in our welcome video this morning, if you don't have a, a copy of this Working Values card, uh, I encourage you to stop by Connect Central and pick one up on your way out today. Uh, this morning, I want to begin by acknowledging some social misconceptions in the world we live in today. Some social misconceptions that may or may not have influenced your journey along the way. Uh, one of those things is that all great men have hair. Good, you're paying attention this morning. One of the social misconceptions that I want to begin by acknowledging in our time to get together today is that knowledge is power. There are a group of people in the world we live in, the society around us, who genuinely believes that the more you know, the further you will go. My wife in the season that we're in um, is, uh, is a teacher by training and in this current season uh, is late at night and early in the morning teaching Chinese children um, via technology. Uh, the great World Wide Web connects them in the convenience of our living room and uh, she is teaching them above and beyond what their normal day-to-day -day education environment looks like because the Chinese culture is such that they truly believe with all that they are that knowledge is power and it drives so much of the lives that they live. It's a social misconception in the world that we live in. You may have heard money is power. For you, you may have experienced or seen firsthand lives that are driven by this relentless pursuit of the dollar, right? That, that financial gain so that they can receive the status that they are pursuing and desiring in their life. That the more you make, the more influence you have, which kind of goes hand in hand with this misconception that success is power in the world we live in. And we can, we can really broaden the spectrum here because uh, success for us is achieved in so many different areas of our lives. Our physical fitness, right? Our physical activity. Many of us uh, have or know, know someone who has children who are engaged in sports activities and, and dance uh, recitals and, and careers for us adults and, and, and these pursuits and these areas of our lives where we truly believe that success is power. I have a sneaky suspicion that Joe would have never been invited to be a guest motivational speaker <laughs> because in his reality, none of these things 
lended him the power that so many people promise in the pursuit. This morning, Shannon Oaks Church, I'm here to acknowledge that success and power really has very little to do with those things that we just talked about. And this morning, I want to refocus and recenter our attention and this season of existing as the family of Shannon Oaks Church on a reality that I believe is upheld and substantiated by the authoritative inspired word of God. And that truth is this. Power is found in prayer. Or in other words, prayer is power. Knowledge isn't power. Money isn't power. Success in any area of your life is not power. I believe and we're going to receive from the word of God some teaching and some, uh, some substantiation of truth that points to a reality that defines prayer is power. The co-author sessions back in the month of August have proven to be so much more than just the accumulation of data. So much more than an effort to analyze. We have, as leaders and shepherds, have received alongside that helpful data for analysis purpose, we have received so much insight into the reality of life that comprises the family of Shannon Oaks Church. We have seen so much uh, in the way of a clearer picture of what it is and how the influence of Shannon Oaks Church overlaps marriages, families, personal dreams and wishes for a spiritual family of faith. And, and from the data this morning, there was only one question in the entire co-author uh, effort that addressed the topic of prayer that we're going to spend time talking about this morning. Only one question that, that sought to mine where we as a family stand in the way of prayer doctrine. But these other parallel tangent insights have indicated to us as your leaders that there is only one fashion of implementation for things that are not yet in place but need to be in place, for opportunities for us to grow beyond where we've been, and that is through the medium of prayer. And so from that data, from that insight of the co-author sessions, we have extracted working value number three. It says this. We value the power of prayer because Abba Father brings hope, healing, and miracles into the lives of people. I want to read that again. We value the power of prayer because Abba Father brings hope, healing, and miracles into the lives of people. If we can just be honest with ourselves and each other this morning, we are people who long to experience hope, healing, and miracles. Amen? Amen. That is something, number one, that we believe is possible 
But number two, we believe is part of God's design for the family of faith and the people of God. And this morning, as we recenter on the power of prayer as a working value for the family of Shannon Oaks Church, I want us to begin by acknowledging what prayer is not. Prayer is not a pre-meal or pre-bedtime ritual. That's part of prayer, an expression of prayer, but our greatest desire is that that does not fully limit your expression of the power of prayer that God has gifted to his people for the sake of bringing hope, healing, and miracles. <coughs> prayer is not a moment of silence out of respect for someone or something. Prayer is so much more than a pre-meal or pre-bedtime ritual, which is good and valuable and needs to be part of your journey. But prayer is not a moment of silence. Prayer is a moment of expression and connection from our heart to God's. Prayer is a weapon and it's a gateway for heaven to invade the realm of earth. This morning, as we acknowledge that prayer is power, we need to agree with what is the reciprocal of that. That if there's no power, there's no prayer. What would happen if the church prayed? I mean, really pray. There's a group that loves to study and analyze the, the, the status and the condition of the American church as it progresses and moves throughout the course of time. This group called the Barna Group has done and regularly uh, conducts studies to evaluate where the church is and what kind of realities are being expressed through life together as the church. And just two years ago, in 2017, the Barna Group reported back that 94% of adults in America confess to praying at least once every three months. Now, as I started reading that statistic, my heart jumped in joy at the 94%. And then it came to a crashing halt when I realized that in order to attain such a statistic, the time frame had to be broadened to a degree that it encompassed not once every day or once every hour, but once every three months. It seems to go in direct contradiction to what Isaiah 56 says and Jesus pointed back to in Matthew chapter 21 where he reports that my house will be a house of prayer. Prayer is power. And the Lord himself has aligned his very nature, the existence of his being in his household in such a way that it connects power through prayer into the lives of people. And I want to begin our wrestle with this question of what would happen if the church prayed in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to get to Mark chapter 9. 
But I want to begin in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says this to the church in Philippi as he is writing this letter from prison. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. From the prison cell, Paul penned those words. And he says to the church in Philippi, listen, I get it. If anybody gets it, it's me. Uncertainty is going to come knocking on your door. It's not a matter of if, but when. And Paul is urging the church to see it clearly. And my heart is the same for you this morning, Shannon Oaks Church. Worry is not more powerful than prayer. Nothing, Paul says, nothing is worth your worry. But he says everything is worth your prayer. There is no force that can stand against the force of prayer of God's people to their father and the power of his presence. Mark chapter 14 verse 38 says this. Keep watch and pray. Jesus is talking to his disciples so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak. Many of us, including myself, wear the garment of shame when we fall into the moment of temptation. I want to give you a heads up this morning as we remind ourselves that shame is the clothing that comes from operating in the flesh. Shame does not come to you as something to cover you or to hide you in when you're operating from the platform of the spirit. Paul says, or, I'm sorry, Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. And Paul affirms that that statement over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where he says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. I want to remind you this morning, Shannon Oaks Church, not to be deceived to think that you only need to try harder to do better, to strengthen your effort in the flesh. You see, the people of God are best served as salt and light to this world when we acknowledge that our flesh is prone to fail. We're not here to strengthen our flesh. If you haven't noticed over the course of time, there is a 100% chance of fleshly mortality. But there is a 100% chance of opportunity for spiritual eternity. We are not here to get self-help and do better in our flesh and wear shame when we fall harder along the way. We're here to receive the, the edification in the spirit that propels us forward. Your spirit, Paul, or Jesus says, has what it takes. Your spirit has what it takes. You need a power, Jesus says, that you can't supply for yourself. He doesn't say keep watch and try hard. He says keep watch and pray. Because you need a power that you can't supply for yourself. 
Mark chapter 9. We're finally to the passage that I want to land on this morning, beginning in verse 17. I want to give you the backdrop drop real quickly that Jesus, as many times he experienced in his public ministry here on earth, is, is coming down from a special, sincere moment with his disciples in connection to the Father, and he is running headlong into one of the many masses of crowds that tended to follow and chase him around to witness and experience the power that he possessed. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 17, we see these words. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever his spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. I love the way that this dad feels the, the need to explain things to Jesus, right? <laughs> Jesus, he's not just sick, but let me tell you what his symptoms are. And he goes on and he says, then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. What the dad has to say that is most important is what comes immediately following. So I asked Jesus, your disciples, to drive out the evil spirit. spirit. But they couldn't do it. Jesus, I'm coming to you. I tried to spare you the trouble, the burden, the time, because I know you're a busy man. You're in high demand. And I, so I went to your disciples, which I thought would be just as good as you, because after all, you've been pouring yourself out into them and teaching them your ways. And I went to them, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus' response, which we're going to skip over this morning, I encourage you to, to circle back and read throughout the week. Jesus chastises his disciples as a faithless generation. And he says, bring your son to me. And Jesus speaks and casts this evil spirit out. And the boy, though initially looking like he is dead, experiences the fullness of life that he was created to experience. Picking up in verse 28 of Mark chapter 9. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Jesus, we tried to do what you had showed us and taught us to do. Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. And as you circle back this week and fill in the gaps of that passage, you'll realize that Jesus didn't pray to see that demon leave. Jesus spoke with authority. But the authority that he delivered in that moment was substantiated in that moment by his connection and his power that he had received through a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus connects to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, with authority because he had regularly and relationally connected himself through prayer. And he says, you can only cast this out by prayer. And therefore, Jesus connects for the disciples. Their question to his answer that the reason that they couldn't see that task through by faith was because there was no prayer to accompany. Prayer is power. Jesus 
seems to indicate for us today as the family of Shenandoah Church that powerlessness in and through our lives may be attributed to prayerlessness in our lives. What if, for us today, what if the level of victory that we experience and witness in our lives is directly related to the amount of prayer that we engage in? What would be different in your home? In your family, in your workplace, what would be different in our church gatherings? What would be different in our community, in our country, in the world we live in? What would, what would change if we associated that prayer is power and that the victory that we experience and witness in and through our lives is directly connected to the amount of prayer that we engage in. I want to tell you in a moment of confession this morning, Shannon Church, that your pastor does not pray enough. Our family does not pray enough. Your staff and your elders do not pray enough. As we come together as a body, we don't pray enough. As a church who values the power of prayer, it's time for us to acknowledge that the, the victories that we are to experience and witness in and through our lives are directly related to the engagement of prayer in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says, Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Can I tell you why I know that your pastor does not pray enough? It's because there are moments when I stop praying. You want to know how I know that we as a church do not pray enough? It's because there are moments... That we stop praying. I'm so grateful in God's mercy and his grace that he meets us in the possible. He, he gives us the platform on which to receive the power that only he can supply in the spiritual realm. And here's how he does it. He makes us, each of us, in our uniquely diverse ways, but with a universal capacity to pray. Everyone can pray. Each and every one of us can pray. Well, pastor, you just don't understand. My schedule is so busy. I have so many things I'm obligated to. Listen, it sounds like you've got a lot of power that is demanded from you in your life. It sounds like one of the greatest things that you could do is you could tap into the true source of power that you can't accomplish in your own strength. And that opportunity to connect to that power source is only through prayer. I know that this morning I received a notification on my phone of, of the amount of time that I had mindlessly, ashamedly scrolled through the pages of social media. Flipping through pictures and, and news articles that really, honestly, truth be told, 
are not going to affect my life beyond that moment. Can I tell you this morning that I am convicted and challenged and charged to lay down my phone so that I can connect to the power that is beyond my flesh? What is it for you? What is it for you? Is it the television? Is it the farm animals? Is it the, the, the conversations about hunting season? Where are you going to hunt? Tell me what you saw while you hunted. Now listen, I believe that the church needs to ratchet things up in this area because God says my house will be a house of prayer. Heaven forbid that we come together with any other agenda than to encounter him through prayer. Walk away empowered by the power that comes through prayer as we exalt and worship his name on high. Prayer is to be our norm, not our exception. Week after week, we close our service and we offer an opportunity not the end all be all, but it's an opportunity for you to receive and engage and connect in prayer. Because listen, we know that beyond those walls are the battles that you have temporarily escaped from in this gathering, in this place. What an opportunity that we have together in the presence of God's people and his and his spirit alone to engage the power that is beyond what our flesh can produce. And yet week to week, there's an empty altar. And I know marriages struggle every week. Week to week, there are ministry team members that are waiting, longing to use the gift that God has entrusted to them to, to minister to and to pray over people in this family so that they can experience the victory on a brand new level. And week after week, I know that there are Grumblings stirring. There are relationships being destroyed. There is fear that is compelling people to stay awake at night instead of resting in peace. What would happen if the church?